What it means on the surface is that we are able to make a judgment about people by the clothes that they wear. My friend extrapolated that and figured the car makes the man, right? The Mercedes makes the man. But basically what what we're looking at is that it is the clothes that identifies who we are. So if you're going down to a baseball game downtown and you walk by a homeless man who's begging for money and he's got old, dirty clothes on and they probably smell body odors and other odors that we may really want to talk about. Um, You could say that 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 clothing evokes a particular judgment about that homeless man. Does it not? I remember in my previous church, in my previous call, we had Trove Tuesday pancake uh, celebration. Um, people out here don't really know what Trove Tuesday is, not, not that many. But it was uh, the last night before Lent started, so you had a party. You had to use up all your, all your things that you couldn't eat during Lent, your dairy. and So they, they'd make pancakes. And uh, so the church that I served had this tradition of uh, Shrove Tuesday pancakes. So they had a big pancake supper uh, Tuesday night before the first Wednesday of Lent. And, uh, and I'll never forget that pancake supper. Uh, the one year where the church had hired a professional pancake maker who not only made really phenomenal pancakes, but he didn't need any servers because he would serve them from the kitchen, throw them across the fellowship hall. This was a, this was a big church. The fellowship hall was twice as deep as this sanctuary. He would throw them across the fellowship hall and they'd land right on your plate. It was amazing. I mean, he, I, am not, I am not kidding. I'm not joking. This really happened. He'd throw it to you. You put up your plate and bing, it'd land right on your plate. Except for the time that Dr. Blody walked in front of the pancake tosser with his $2,000 Armani suit. Now, now, this was nearly 30 years ago. And splat right on the back of the $2,000 Armani suit hit the pancake. Clothes makes the man. There were certainly judgments made about this doctor and his suit at the pancake breakfast or dinner, I'm sorry. And there was certainly judgments made about the pancake tosser You see, when we talk about clothes making the man, we're talking about judgments that we make from the perceptions that we experience from the clothes that people wear. By dressing in a certain way, you shape your identity. You make your behavior, you act out your behavior in a way that allows people to perceive who you are by the clothes you wear. 
That is what Jesus seems to be doing. He got up from the table. Wow, I'm electrified all of a sudden. (laughs) He got up from the table and he took off his robe. It says that. And then after putting the towel around his waist, he washes disciples' feet. And then after he's all done doing that, he puts on the robe again. So I think in almost every translation, it's he takes off the robe and he puts on the robe. But that's not what it actually says. What it says is that Jesus laid down his robe. See, there's a difference between taking off and laying down your robe. And he didn't put it back on. He took it up. He laid down his robe and he took it up again. Now, why is that so particular? Or maybe why is your pastor so particular? You see, Jesus uses these very words not only to describe the act that he is doing, washing his disciples' feet, but these are the very same words that he uses when he talks about how he will go to the cross. The exact same verbs. He will lay down his life, is what he says, and then he will take it up again. So when he's with his disciples, they have just had a feast like many of us did. Theirs was a Passover feast. We did have some lamb in our feast, but um, it, it wasn't a Passover feast. And, and so their, their bellies are full, and now all of a sudden, Son of God, Messiah, Jesus, is laying down his robe, And he's doing something really weird. He's washing his disciples' feet. And after he washes his disciples' feet, he takes up his clothes. And when he washes the actual feet of the disciples, he takes up the towel, the symbol of servanthood, the symbol of slavery. So what is Jesus trying to convey to us here? What Jesus is trying to convey is that clothes truly do make the man. But he is looking at it from a position of of strength. And it's a position of strength from God's perspective. Not from the world's perspective. He is taking off his robe, laying it down. Because he is showing his disciples the kind of savior he will be. The kind of Messiah that he will be. Jesus allowed his clothing to identify who he was. Who he is. He will lay down his life and suffer as the Messiah. 
And he will take on, like that towel, washes the disciples' feet, he will take on the sins of the world. This very act of washing his disciples' feet has a deeper meaning because Jesus is shaping his identity on how he will act as God's son. And this he does out of love. You see, the foot washing is related to the crucifixion. He laid down his robe. He laid down his life. He took up his robe. He took up his life. And in between those two things, what did he do? He washed his disciples' feet and he suffered and died on the cross. Jesus does these things because he loves you. He loved his disciples. He loved his followers. And he loves all of his followers, including you, and for some reason, even me. And when he talks about this love, with Peter in particular, he tells Peter that his love for his followers will bring them into an abiding relationship with him. Verse 8, this was when Peter protests, you will never ever wash my feet. And Jesus says, unless I wash you, you will have no part with me. You will not belong to me. In other words, if I don't die for you, then you will have no part with me. To belong to Jesus means to have a relationship with him and with God. The relationship begins in faith, and Jesus gives you everlasting life. The faithful are issued eternal life. It's a funny word, issued, isn't it? We don't use it very often. So I looked it up to try to figure out where we use it. And, you know, one of the places that we use the word issuance is with the military. When you belong to the military, when you join the military, you go through boot camp, they issue you a rifle. And you are responsible for that rifle. It is a gift. You do not have to pay for that rifle. It is yours. It is a gift. But you also have the responsibility to protect that weapon and to keep it with you always. I actually learned this more from the Israeli soldiers that I knew when I studied over there uh, because that was my first time I ever saw military um, who were off duty hauling around their rifles. And I remember asking a couple of them, you know, you, know, you're, you don't have your military clothes on, why do, you, why do you haul around your rifles? Because if we lose this rifle, we will pay for it. Not just financially, <laughs> in more ways than you can imagine. It is my responsibility to protect this rifle because it has been issued to me by the head of the military. So Jesus is issuing something to you. It's eternal life. And he says, you are a steward of this now. 
What are you going to do with it? Are you going to share it? Are you going to protect it? Are you going to guard it? Are you going to live with it? Are you going to put it under your pillow? What are you going to do with it? Eternal life now belongs to you. It is your gift and it is your calling. When Jesus washes his disciples' feet, he is telling them that he is going to die for them. We don't wash feet really. I know Alex really wanted us to wash feet tonight. Next year we'll do washing of feet. But, you know, when you think about it, how comfortable are you having somebody wash your feet? And it's not just because you might have, like my grandkids sing, Stinky Feet. There's a song called Stinky Feet. I don't know if you know that or not. But It's not just that. It's kind of like the question that we asked in the Fellowship Hall around the dinner table tonight. It's how, do you, how well do you receive help? How well do you receive praise? Most of us find that challenging. And probably it was challenging for the disciples, but what Jesus is trying to convey to Peter and his cohort of other disciples is that if you don't let me wash you, your feet, you won't be apart with me. If you don't let me go to the cross and die, you won't have a part with me or with God. You see, Jesus' dying on the cross provides a complete cleansing of, of your sins. Washing, you know, if you wash your hands, it removes all the dirt from, from your hands, right? If you wash your body, remove all the dirt from your body. Jesus dying on the cross cleanses you from all of your sins. They're gone. They're washed away. And when our sins are cleansed, God does something. It evokes faith within us. And I read this quote and I been letting this percolate for the last few days. Faith is the opposite of sin. Faith is the opposite of sin. So when you have faith, you have no sin because Christ has taken it all away. To be unclean means to not have faith. To be clean means that you have faith. And this concept of faith, now this is a position of strength. Like Jesus, laying down his robe was a position of strength. Like Jesus, going to the cross is a position of strength. What Jesus is teaching us tonight is what it looks like to have a position of strength. 
Now, the last thing I wanted to share about this scripture tonight, like I said, we could go all night, but there's, it's so packed full of stuff. But this story is broken into two halves. The first half, Jesus revolves around the verb to wash. I mean, take a look at the first half of this story, and it's all about Jesus washing, right? Washing the disciples' feet. The second half, with this little interlude with Peter in between the two halves, the second half is about the disciples revolving around the verbs to wash. So in the first half, we learn how Jesus will lay down his life, how he will take it up again, how he will go to the cross, and how he will suffer and die, and how he will be raised again from the dead. He will take up his life and live again. In the second half, his disciples and his followers are called to wash feet by following their master's example. So he's telling them, you should wash feet. Verses 12 through 17, after washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and he didn't actually put on his robe again. He took it up again, right? And he asked them, do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord and you are right because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. I tell you the truth, slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. The second half of this story revolves around us washing feet. It really means that we're called to acts of love and service, just as Jesus called his disciples to do those things. And Jesus has given us a, a, a radical, life-changing example because he knows that clothes make the man and the woman. He knows that. And he wants us to see how he uses clothes to clarify his identity as the Messiah. This makes no sense to the world. The world would say, go buy a Mercedes. The world would say, don't get one, get two Armani suits. But Jesus is saying, Let's not do that. Instead, let's prepare our lives to be lives of sacrificial love. The kind of clothes that Jesus calls us to wear is the kind of clothes that he wore. Clothes of service, clothes of love, and close a sacrifice. So if you wear these kinds of clothes that Jesus is calling us to, to wear, what will people say about you? 
This is what Jesus said. The very end of our reading for tonight. He says, So now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. What kind of clothes do you want to wear? Let us pray. Gracious and mighty God, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, that you came into this world through your son Jesus and that that you showed us a way of life that much of the world doesn't recognize, even Christians. And we pray that you, Lord, would call us and that we would hear that call. You have bestowed upon us the greatest gift. You've cleansed us from all our sins and you've given us this gift of eternal life. We are stewards of this gift, Lord. How will we use it? Help us to listen to your word. May your word guide us. We pray this in your holy name, Jesus. Amen.